jump in. Um, if you take notes, make sure you take some notes because I'm talking about the, what I'm going to be talking about today is the barriers, all right, the barriers that are in the way of, of Jesus Christ. And I may not hit on all of them, but I'm going to hit on the ones that the Lord put on my heart to hit on. But there are so many barriers and different things that uh, people um, experience and they, they have a drawing away um, from the church because of uh, so many different barriers that come in, in, in life. And one of, one of the things is like, uh, one of the major things is like, you know, people get a skewed view of church through what they see on TV. Amen? What they see on TV, we, we had, I don't know if that show still on, The Preachers of Beverly Wise or whatever. I, I mean, is that still on? I, I, what did I just say? I don't Beverly Wise, Preachers of Beverly? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. If those shows still on, man, that's not good. Y'all don't want to admit, because of y'all be like, yeah, it's still on, then I know you're watching it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, and those uh, different type of shows have uh, um, uh, give, us, give the church a bad view, right, right? A bad look on what church is about. And people, when, when, when people that don't know the Lord and they, they maybe have a totally heart to know the Lord and then they see that, they're like, man, I don't want none of that, right? And so it becomes a barrier. It becomes a barrier. And, and I, I want to make sure that we get down into our soul and our mind of what are the barriers and what do I have to do as a um, child of God to make sure that I don't become a barrier, but then also to show others what a true Christian is, right? And what a Christian looks like, all right? Um, and, and as far as um, their spirit and who they are. Um, one of the things, another uh, another barrier is that people say, "I don't need church, right? I don't need a fellowship church. Church, I I I I get, I go, I just get alone, and I'm at home by myself, and it's just me and the Lord, and I I don't need church. But Jesus, Jesus, he established the church, right?" He wanted the church, and, and the thing is, what he wanted was, he wanted the fellowship. How are we supposed to, how is iron supposed to sharpen iron if, if individuals, if we all just said, listen, I'm just going to stay in my home and just, and just be me and God, right? We can never come together and, and fellowship and grow and sharpen each other and build each other and encourage each other. Listen, when you when you, when, when, if you ever talk to a young person or talk to your child, one of the main things you find out if they're acting up or doing right is who they fellowshipping with. Right. Huh? You encourage them to fellowship with somebody that's on the same path, the same focus that they should be on. You don't want them 
fellowshipping with uh, Boogaloo John, and he out there smoking weed, out there getting drunk, and out there running girls. And you know, if your son or your daughter is following that and they fellowshipping with that, guess what? They're going to have that same mind frame as that. Are you with me? So you want, you always encourage your children, and you always say, listen, why don't you fellowship with Bill over here? Bill is trying to get his grades right. Bill is focused on college. Bill is focused on a career. Can you please hang with Bill? Because if they start hanging together, they're going to start having that same mind frame to be successful in life. Amen? And they can encourage each other. Huh? When troubles come, when different things come, when they got to deal with different teachers or different, different assignments. But when they're on the same path and on the same goal to succeed and make it, they can bridge off each other and feed each other. That's the same thing with fellowship within the church. We're going to go through stuff. We are going to face some things. There are some things that's going to come at us and, and, and tribulations and, and, and hardships of life are going to hit our life. And we need to fellowship with one another so we can hear what's going on so you can have somebody praying for you in the trenches with you, there with you to encourage you, to build you, to sharpen you. Are y'all with me? Oh, God. It's important that we fellowship with one another because if we don't, we can get so isolated where we can find ourselves lost with no hope. And, and so these things become barriers because people don't want to come to church because they see what a, a, a skewed view of the church and then they say, we don't need church, right? And so now the fellowship is lost and the fellowship is breaking. And then you have people that's in the church, and what happens is they get in the church and then they hear something that, uh, that maybe, let's say, the Bible is the white man's religion. How many of y'all heard that before? Yeah. Right? That Christianity is the white man's religion. And so, and so these barriers, and, and, and what, one of the things is that uh, to, to help people understand is that the color is all in the Bible. That's right. Huh? Color is all in the Bible. And just to give you a few, um, see, many uh, Hebrew patriarchs married and had children with women of African tribes. Abraham had children with Haggai and, and Ketra, and uh, they were all from African tribes. Moses married Zephrah, all right, who was an Ethiopian. Jacob had children with two handmaidens from African tribes. And so you hear these things and you, and you research these things and that color is all in the Bible and, and people can't just say, oh, that's white man religion. And what they're doing is they have a skewed view because back in slavery, this was, this is what was given to them, right? But there is such thing, and y'all heard me say this before, of something called the Slave Bible. Has everybody heard about the Slave Bible? Yeah. All right? In the museum, if you go to Washington, D.C., there is a Bible in the museum. Uh, I, and I don't know which museum it is. Is a One of them, right? But it's there! <laughs> there is a Slave Bible, okay? And within the slave Bible, when when the when during the, the when the masters would give them the Bible and give them this, they would take certain things out of the Word of God. Right. 
because they wanted to keep the restraint. It wasn't the Bible, but it was the people delivering the word of God that was twisted. I'm telling you the truth, that they took things out of the word. If you look at the slave Bible, the one of the main things that they took out was Moses and the Egyptians being set free from slavery. Oh, they don't want they don't want them to know that. Because for one thing, they were people of color, and another thing, they were set free from slavery. And they did not, they didn't want them to rise up and read any of that. So when people come and say, oh, Christian that Christianity is a white man's religion, we have to make sure we are educated, educated <laughs> enough to dispute what has been brought forth. Are y'all with me? It, 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 and, and so, and so we, we live in this time where there are so many barriers that affect people. And, and, and we have to begin to look at ourselves and pray that God, I'm not a barrier. Jesus. For people to know who Christ is. The way Jesus wanted the church is not portrayed properly. And before people get to know Jesus and build a relationship, the opportunity has been stolen away by skewed views and, the, and, the, and, they're, and, and then they are stuck with a heart that does not know God. Right. Church hurt is basically someone in the church or someone of the church who has harmed you in some way by maybe it was something they had said and listen, I don't care how many times they say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words hurt. They hurt. And we have to be careful. That's why God gave us wisdom to say something sometimes and shut up sometimes. Huh? There's something we need. God, is this you? I want to make sure that you speak through me and it's not Jerry. But it's God. Huh? And so, uh, and, and, and so it could be by uh, someone that maybe has said something that was hurtful or saw people or maybe they saw Deacon Bob at the, at the, at the bar just gone, faded. Huh? And it's like, man, Deacon Bob, I was just at church trying to get myself right. <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> and that hurts because people deep down the side, they want to change. There was something, they want something different. They want a new experience. They're tired. They're tired of, what, of, of, of following after this world time and time after again. And, and, they, and they look like they're having fun and they seem like they're having fun. But when they get home alone, Deep down inside. Oh, God, it hurts. They hurt. They hurt. My prayer and hope is that we don't allow people, trauma, hard life circumstances to hold us back from receiving life, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. People and the problems we face can sometimes get under the skin, but we have to allow God and hold ourselves accountable of who we are in Christ Jesus. 
It is important, saved or not saved, that we understand Christ does the work. That is truly important. That who does the work? Christ does the work. He does the work. If we want it and we seek his face, he begins the work in us. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, for it is God who works in you both to do whose will? His will and to do for his good pleasure. God wants to come in and do the work in us, not for our desire, huh? Not for what we want, but he begins to work in us so that people can be saved and changed and set free and delivered. So he uses us and he works in us and he, and he, and he pushes us and he encourages us so that others may be saved and transformed and receive what Christ has for their life. So he does the work in us. Don't you wish you could just go to the gym and you just go and you walk in there and you just start losing weight? <laughs> Huh? You just you just step into the gym and like And you just half an hour later you walk out, woo. The gym did the work. Huh? All you have to do is just keep going. All you have to do is just get in there. All you have to do is just keep going, keep going, keep going, and the gym the gym just doing the work, man. Jesus, is, if you keep seeking his face, if you keep seeking after him, and you keep reaching for him, and you keep getting in front of him, he said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Keep seeking him. Keep, keep receiving the understanding from him. Keep being in front of him. Guess what? As you do it, God begins to do a work in us that's so tough. That's so strong that everything that you used to do, you're not going to want to do it no more. Huh? You're not going to have a desire for it no more because he does the work. How many times have I seen people, they come and, they, and they're trying so hard to live right and they're trying and they're working and they're trying and, and, and they say, oh, this don't work for me. Because what happens is people are looking at them and they're saying, oh, you should be doing this by now. You should be acting like this by now. You should, huh? And so then people say, well, listen, I'm not there yet. I, I just forget it. I can't make it. I can't do it. No, you can't do it on your own. Let Jesus do the work. When, person, when a person really, really, truly wants to change and they keep seeking God's face, there is a transformation that happens where they don't want the things of the world anymore. Oh, God. Can you just say, keep seeking them? Keep, seeking keep, coming. keep coming. But the enemy's plan is to use whatever he can, he can to blind our minds so we can't see and to keep Christ from coming in so he can work. So he wants to blind the minds. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go there and start in verse 3. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There are people who are perishing, people who are dying without God, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. If you notice the lowercase g, 
It's talking about the God of this world. It's talking about Satan, the enemy. He's purposely trying to blind the mind so people can't see Christ. He's purposely creating barriers after barrier after barrier so people can't see who Christ is. And, he, and he's blinding the minds of the people who do not believe. Satan knows that people are perishing. He knows in, in, there's an inside pain and there's, a, there's unforgiveness and there's depression and there's stress and there are thoughts of suicide and, and life keeps punching them in the face and, and back from uh, and, and remembering that the enemy is blinding the mind. He's blinding the mind and they can't see a way out and they have made mistakes that seemed impossible to come back from. They are looking at their mistakes and said, there is no way I can do better. There is no way that life will change for me. You have people that are coming out of prison and they're saying, listen, there is no way because the enemy is constantly reminding them that they're not good enough. They can't make it. And then you have people telling them the same thing. That, hey man, you got all this upon you might not be able to make it. And so the enemy blinds the mind of Christ, of hope, of peace. He does not want you to see the only way out, that he is the only way out. If you stay after Christ, Christ comes in and works. He will condition us with the ability to overcome. He will come in and he will do the work and he will condition us and with the ability to overcome. So when people say, I can't, Christ, if I keep seeking his face, he will give me the ability to have the faith and believe I can. He will condition me to handle the negativity that is coming my way. He will condition me and give me the ability to handle the obstacles and the barriers that are facing in front of my face. He will condition me to handle and overcome and jump over the hurdles that are trying to keep me from overcoming. Say, Jesus can. Going on in the scripture, it says, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. I want us to know and understand that God created us in his image, and we are to shine on those who do not know God. If we are created in this image, we are to take the character of God, of who he is, and be a light and shine on those who do not know Christ, that they may see a difference and begin to walk and follow something different than what they've been doing. They should want to see our lives and say, man, what is going on with you? What is different about you? I was at work. And they pulled me into the office. They called me. They, they sent me a chime on my, my laptop and said, uh, the senior ops want to see you. So, uh, okay. <laughs> she wants you to come to the office. Okay. All right. So I came to the op- office, and my senior ops was there, and my operational ops was there, and sat me down. And he looked at me and said, um, there might be some opportunities for a promotion. They said, 
your connection scores are the best in the building. They said, she said, I don't know what type of magic, she literally used these words, magic you're doing down there. I don't know what you're doing, but everybody, every manager that comes by you and comes around you, they improve. She said, even when I come through your area, I want to smile. And I'm like, that's the Holy Ghost. I don't know. It's not a magic. It's, it's Jesus. When you begin to allow yourself to keep seeking his face and understanding who he is and take on his character, people will catch on and they will get a sense and they will get a whip and they will get a taste of who Christ is. In Galatians, uh, 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 you become, uh, because listen, you become what you allow in your life. Kids will try to soak up whatever they hear. Huh? They will soak up TV, they will soak up this, and whatever they hear, they become. If you ever, if, if you ever uh, um, sit, you ever see your kids sitting there watching TV, and and then and, and you see a, a show, and you know that movie is bad, you are running to the TV. You cannot watch that! <laughs> Trying to turn that TV off, because you know um, Martin about the cuts. <laughs> huh? They do it now on TV. That, and you and you're rushing to turn that off because what you allow in, you become. What your kids, your kids, what they allow in, what they hear, they begin to say it and they become it and they start acting like it. That that's why that's why kids, especially at a young age, when they see what you do, they begin to mimic it, don't they? They begin because they allow they allow it in, and then they begin to copycat what you are doing. What I'm what I want us to understand is that when we allow Christ in our life, ah, and allow His character to flow through our life, what we allow in, we become. In Galatians five and twenty two, this is His character, and we know this. And the enemy is fearful of us changing into the image of Christ and being the example. Because in, as the example, there is no doubt in Galatians 5 and 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everyone say love. love. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience. Patience. Kindness. Kindness. Goodness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. When you allow God to work in your life, when you allow it in, you will become. You will become. And there is not a single individual that says, I don't want love. There is not nobody that says, I don't want joy. I don't want peace. I don't want patience. I don't kindness. Oh, kindness. Oh, what's kindness? Oh, goodness. I don't want no goodness. I don't want that. There's always faithfulness. I don't want nobody to be committed to me. I don't. Gentleness. I, I, no, no. I don't want nobody to be gentle. Self-control, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to deal with self-control. I don't want my children to be have self-control. There is not nobody that will say they don't want these attributes in their life. 
And when you take these attributes and begin to uh, allow God's character to transform your life, and, and this is not saying you're going to be perfect at first. You know, you might have the joy down, but you might need some peace. You might, you might have, you might have the kindness down, but your patience is a little thin, huh? And you ask God to help you with that. You keep seeking His face until a full transformation begins to happen in your life. Jesus. Traditions will not show who Christ is. Whether you dress up, you dress down. It will not show who Christ is. But what will show who Christ is, is this fruit of the Spirit that will produce, that will come from you. Jesus had to deal with some of these barriers. And he gets angry. He's angry at barriers. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, I don't have this up there, but if you take some time and read it, it was, it was during a time when Jesus, where Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. He came, he was coming to Jerusalem. He was, Hosanna, Hosanna, our king. And he was coming to Jerusalem, and then he got to where the center where the church is. And then um, this is during the time where over 300,000, 400,000 people were coming to pray at the temple, okay? People were coming from all over, walking miles and miles and miles to come and pray to the temple for forgiveness of their sins, to, to seek God, to thank God, because in that time, they didn't have Christ in the inside like we do. They could not, they could, Jesus didn't die yet. And so they had to go to a place where God resided to pay homage, to, 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 to sacrifice, to, to thank him. They had to miles and miles and miles. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking to Alabama and some sandals and a roll? Hot, hot, feet ashy. Huh? Going all the way because you really want to, I really want to get to God. I really, I really want to thank him. I really want to uh, ask him for forgiveness for what I've done. I, I want to get there. I want to be in the presence of God. And then all of a sudden they get there and you have the priest setting up around. Now, the church itself was small, but it was the road of the, the they, they built a 10 football fields long wide around the church. It took some time to get into the temple in the inner part to pray. So while they walked miles and miles and miles, tired, tired, they get there and they're being hassled and haggled with the prices of paying for their sacrifices. Poor widows could not purchase and, and get what they need for the sacrifice because they were taken from the poor widows, selling it over here, cheating people out of here. People will come with only so much money and they don't come out, the prices are a little higher for their sacrifice. And, 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 and they're scheming over here, and scheming over there, and all this buying and selling that was going around and it took forever for people to even get to the inner circle to get there to pray to God. 
And imagine Jesus coming in, right? Jesus is coming in knowing that he's dying for people to be able to access him wherever they are, wherever they want to be, wherever they are. They can seek his face and, and they can have a connection with God. And Jesus is getting ready to die for this. But then he sees this scene where people want to come and pray. They want to come and pray and they can't because there are so many people, barriers around them. And so when Jesus gets there, he begins to turn the tables over. Huh? He turns the tables over. He takes a whip and he gets it ready. And he whip all the animals out of the way. Because he said, I, this is a house of prayer. I want people to have access. I want people to have connection with me. I want people to have a relationship with me. And I want you to know is that the enemy does not want you to have a relationship with God. Because if you have a relationship with God, he knows that you become in, and then you will be, be part of the secret place. He knows that you will fall into the hidden place of God. And when you fall into the hidden place of God, there are certain things that Satan cannot tap into. There are certain things and spiritual things that he cannot uh, connect with. Because he knows that you get and begin to have a relationship with God and connect with God. There are certain things that he don't know. There are certain things that he can't communicate. There are certain things that he can't touch. And that's why God is calling us to come into the secret place. He want to remove all the barriers. Whatever barrier it is, he want to toss it over, move it out the way. He wants a relationship with his people. He wants a relationship with us because he knows that you get in that secret place. God can give you things and build you up and strengthen you on things and help you overcome some things that the enemy doesn't know what side you're coming from the left, you're coming from the right. He has no idea where you're coming from because you're in the secret place. There are certain things he's trying to hurt you with. There are certain things he's trying to put and push in your life. There are certain things he's trying to whisper in your ear. But guess what? He cannot have access when you're in the secret place. When you're in the place of God and his peace, this is something that I can't explain. It's something that I can't, I can't, I can't explain it until, until you just reach it and get in it. And say, God, I want to be there in the secret place. Jesus has not given up his life. And, and so there were barriers to get to the inner part of the temple. People coming all over and they wanted that secret time and that place with God. I can't explain it. If you have to come to him and let go, let Jesus remove the barriers. Don't allow people to put barriers. Don't allow things and what people said to put barriers in your life. Don't allow what the world is trying to push to put barriers and blind the minds of people, to blind the mind, to blind our minds, to get us depressed, to get us stressed. Don't allow these things to come in. God says, I, God wants us in that secret place. I want to be in that secret place of God. In Psalm chapter 32, verse 7, he says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with the songs of deliverance. What I want us to understand is that in that secret place, the enemy can't hear and he can't know. I, I want you to know if the enemy knew that killing Jesus would cause us to be set free, he wouldn't have done it. 
Matter of fact, when Jesus was talking to Peter, he stopped for a moment. Y'all remember that? He was talking to Peter. He said, hold, 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 hold up. Someone's coming. He was talking about the spirit of the enemy. He said, there's some things he cannot hear. There's some things he cannot know because of what I'm getting ready to do when I give up my life. And I want us to know that when we're in that secret place, when we're in that hiding place in God, when those barriers are removed, when we don't allow those barriers to control us anymore, he will protect us from trouble. Listen, everything is not going to be sweet and dandy. Everything is not going to be roses. You see, and sometimes that's a misconception people bring in church, huh? Call them up, call them up, tell them what you want. And so people feel like, oh man, everything is going to be sweet, roses, and dandy. Soon as I get saved, everything is going to go. No, but when you get in that secret place, in the hiding place of God, it may be trouble all around you, but God will give you peace. He will give you strength. He will give you encouragement. He will show you how to overcome every obstacle in your life. It may be tough sometimes, but when you're in the hiding place of God, you know that he is your protector. And Psalm is saying that not only will he keep you from trouble and protect you, but he will give you a song of deliverance. He will start singing to you. He will start giving you a song in your heart. Why are you going through? Lord, I know you're able. Lord, I know you're going to get me through. Huh? He will start giving you a song of deliverance. Have you ever been in your car before? And you've been riding around and some things was going on. And you just turned on that song. And you said, yes! I'm going to make it today. That song just ministered to your soul. It better be gospel, Lord. That's the only one that can minister to your soul the right way. Huh? <laughs> Boy, the blues will get you down. You're already down. Uh, don't listen to the blues when you're down. Don't add to it. But God said, I will give you a song of deliverance. A song of deliverance? He's going to give you a song that, that, that is already claiming your victory. He is giving you a song that already says, yes, yes. you shall overcome. Yes. Let us stand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.